Joseph's Holy Moses, All the Demons Have Big Noses. This week I got two old clocks cleaned, repaired, and up and running that were in storage. My wife got them a little over a year ago, and I'm finally getting around to doing some honeydews after all the assembly and work that I've been doing on the new office studio. So our house is full of cuckoos, and since our relatives aren't here, I mean the clocks. My wife got them a while back at an antique store in Genoa, Nevada, where the movie Misery was filmed. I'm sure some of you remember that. This is just south of Carson City. They were tucked down underneath some other junk. Just happened to see them. My wife inquired about them. And he said, you can have it for $50. Well, she thought it just meant the one clock and when we pulled it out there were two and he said no both of them for 50 so we got two old cuckoo clocks for $25 each they looked beat up they were covered in dust and almost look hopeless really because when I saw them I just thought oh boy that's gonna take some time to get those things going so I took my time cleaned oiled and repaired them I figure with my electromechanical electronic background I can handle some cuckoo clocks. And now we have two beautiful clocks that virtually look brand new, hung up on the walls. And the oils that I used to restore was homemade by my wife, a furniture polish. She's into tinctures, she's, she's into home remedies, uh, anything homeopathic, anything that would be beneficial of natural and it turned out after cleaning them up and and looking into them that they're actually authentic black forest German clocks so you know you just never know what value something is until you clean them up and restore them and that's including us if you've had a life that has just been absolutely nothing but trash you look beat up you look covered in dust you look hopeless through Jesus Christ to be restored is the only way to go now I'm not going to promise you that when you come to Christ if you have not already that the Sun is going to come out the birds are going to sing and the flowers are going to bloom chances are if you've still got open doors and you've got demons the demons are going to be very upset and you're going to have to fight your way back here on 07 28 20 I'm Scott Hensler. Last card played by the Devil's Children is the fake alien invasion, we are told. So if this looks like things are aligning, then the Cabal's agenda is just around the corner. That spectacle before Congress is absolutely embarrassing. And I tell you what, they've been embarrassing the heck out of us for a long time. Of course, Congress and the presidency before the world is embarrassing. 
So we'll be absolutely interesting to see which way things go before the light show presentation by those of Project Bluebeam. Because if there's going to be a alien invasion, it's going to be fake. There are no aliens. There are interdimensional beings, fallen ones, demons, orbs, different types of creatures that have virtually come in and out of the spirit realm. That I myself to be an observer have two very nice telescopes that I've had over the years. I had a camera business started years back so you could film the moon and the stars through telescopes, binoculars. I started this back in 1997 before cameras were placed on drones, NRC airplane, model rockets and so forth. I was way ahead of the curve. I had uh, great depth of uh, uh, technology for CCD cameras. I was into infrared cameras. I manufactured them. I was able to contract different components from different companies and bring them all together as one. And I was even able to contract with an astronomer who was a professional large-scale optics engineer who worked for universities, and even NASA rebuilding their telescopes. Otherwise, if there was a problem, he's the guy who came and troubleshoot them. If they needed things to be put back in order and realigned, then he was the guy. And so I was selling my cameras to him. And then since he had such a large distribution, that eventually they ended up in the hands of NASA. And even though NASA, we know, is nothing more than a hoax, nothing more than just a, a sly of hand, that uh, I was able to sell to them. But unfortunately, my ex-wife, which eventually brought me into the deliverance ministry, made sure that through the divorce that I would not be able to do any more of that work. But however, I still have my prototypes armed and ready through the Celestron and the Meade 8-inch telescopes that I have, that if this ever takes place, the Project Blue Beam, the fake alien invasion and so forth, not only will I see it up close and personal, I'll be able to see it out in outer space. Now a friend of mine who I was a partner with in this business was here a while back and I mentioned about uh, he helped me get this uh, trailer here, the, the uh, toy hauler turned into an office, turned into a studio. And he brought with him that he acquired this telescope that allows you to look right at the sun. So it's a solar scope. And so we set it up, pointed it right at the sun, which is weird to do to think about that, but it's all designed with the filters and and uh, it's, it's gas-filled technology. And for the first time, I myself saw the solar flares not only around the sun, but those emitting from the sun itself, which is absolutely incredible. It was spectacular. It was something that I'd never seen before. I just can't tell you enough how amazing it is. And to think of how these solar flares, they look like kind of rubber bands that extend off of the circular of the, of the sun itself. And to think that they are several heights of, of potentially the Earth's diameter or the Earth's 
in itself. Now, I'm not a globalist, right? I'm a flat earther. But there's still a dimension of some length. And to think that just how big that these flares are in the amount of energy and power that they have to actually influence us is absolutely incredible. So from a distance and out in space, I am ready to say that I will be ready to see AI project the vision or the mimicking of the fallen ones. Interdimensional, not extraterrestrial. So here we are. Get popcorn ready. The show is going to start very soon. Now today, I have two subjects that I want to address. They're topics that I believe are very important for you to understand, to understand witches, to understand the BLM, to understand voodoo, sorcery, Wiccans, any, anyone who, who operates in divination. And also the second half, Nefarious, the movie, I'm going to break it down per the, um, the behavior of the demon itself or the, the playing of it. And if I gave it some time for you to watch the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, um, then I would suggest to maybe just skip the second part and watch it yourself. Or go ahead and listen to it so as you watch the movie that you can remember what I said, take notes, and see exactly what I'm bringing out. The first is the book of Ezekiel and the exposing of witches like those head of the BLM. And as I mentioned on the second part of this, Nefarious, there's still some interaction because of the demonic. When you do witchcraft, when you do divination, when you do sorcery, you're actually calling on demons and using the power of them. So, anyways, I gave warning and hopes that not to spoil the show if you have not seen it. So if you still haven't seen it, you may want to turn it off. Alright, let's get started. Witches, divination, sorcerers, to include voodoo and witch doctors. Again, as I said before, when you conjure, when you speak, you do spells. Now, for instance, the BLM, the three witches that I'm going to be talking about, when they went to certain places, they would pour water. This is part of the ritual and Luciferianism. And this, this action is in contrary to the to the fact of using water for purification remember Satan Lucifer the fallen ones they take what is God's and they corrupt it so the baptism of the Holy Spirit when when you baptize somebody when you fully submerge them and that's what I do when I baptize and then the cleansing the representation of cleaning the person getting rid of the old man bringing in the new having someone cleansed of their sins, having someone cleaned out of their demons, that in witch doctors and voodoos, they do just the opposite, as everything that is opposite of the Holy Spirit is divination, and so these divinators corrupt the Word of God. All practitioners of the dark arts, God forbids, and for a reason, 
the BLM and Antifa are only fronts to bewitch the masses to get them to do things they themselves would never do. Now think about that because a lot of these people when we talk about the woke when when we talk about those that have involved themselves in these organizations that as you talk to them and you see how they behave and and how their minds are twisted and then to accept evil and and to think that it's okay to, to corrupt children with pornography and and pedophilia and all this it just shows you that there's actually a spell cast over them and they're unable to hear the truth they're unable to to come to an understanding that what they're doing is sinful that it's an abomination and they virtually believe that they have the higher moral ground and so in this deception I believe that their conscience are seared. So those involved, we could say, have been bewitched. Now, they still make choices. They still are responsible for their own ill behavior, period. They are held accountable because God promises a way out for everyone. But we see in the book of Ezekiel that witches put victims of the dark arts in bondage. Now this passage in Ezekiel shows even God's people can be bound by divination. Did you hear what I said? Now it doesn't mean that you're constantly in it, doesn't mean that it's over for you, it doesn't mean that death is around the corner, it means it's the time to fight. It's the, it means it's the time to call on God. Now you gotta remember Ezekiel was before Jesus Christ. So God's intervention, the Holy Spirit intervention, what takes place. Now some would argue that Jesus was in the middle of this, and I, and I believe that that is the case since he was around from day one. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was the intervention. And it's God who sets them free because they, he, his people, belong to him. A big difference. If you are in Christ... If you have accepted Jesus Christ and you are what I refer to as a bond servant, one showing themselves approved, one walking in the Spirit, one making sure that the consecration that's taking place within you, that you do not return back to your vomit. So let's start with the defining who are the heads of the BLM and what they themselves have claimed to be and what they have by way of casting spells over the people to do evil things. And they've admitted this, that they have casted the spell, that they have come together, they have called on the demons, they have conjured. We can also call this voodoo. Yes, spells, the spoken word that release demons to vex, to control, to harm other people is real and we see it before us. It is taking place. Note, we learn to spell or the spelling of words in school. Okay, Where do you think it all came from? This is where the term comes from. The use of the control of spoken words written down in a certain way that in that it reflects the spiritual aspect of conjuring spirits like necromancy. And what is necromancy? 
those speaking to the dead. Are they really talking to the dead? No, they're not. They're talking to demons that are pretending to be your your dead uncle, your dead parent, uh, even a dead uh, loved one, a, a child. This is this whole breaching the realm, getting into the spirit realm by 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 going after knowledge that you're forbidden to have, just as as Eve. You know, in the Garden of Eden, uh, the tree of knowledge and good, all of this was something that we were not to have or it was to be given to us in increments by God in time. But that didn't take place because there was an intervention that our destiny was circumvented by the evil ones, which by God is punishable by death by those who practice such things. So the three founders, the three women who are accredited to witches and 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 their policies, um, you know, you've got a classification of warlocks. You also have, as I mentioned, the practice of voodoo. That again, these are all things that are in contrast, which are a corruption, a corruption of the Holy Spirit. So this is soul capturing, meaning that what they were doing, and they admitted that they were doing this, they would go into territories, they would go into lands, they would come together, they would get other people together, and they would take the land through divination, through their witchcraft prayers, through their acts of pouring water onto the ground, for for the sole reason of capturing souls. So they are soul capturers. Remember, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The misuse of these three puts your spirit in jeopardy to forfeit your relationship with Jesus Christ. So with that, let's look at what Ezekiel has documented in God's Word to warn us today of those who wish to steal, kill, and destroy your soul and your spirit condemning you to eternal condemnation. Now think about this. Now you can get mad at somebody. You can you can, you know, be betrayed, you can, you know, be cheated on, and you get mad for a while and maybe you really get mad. But you know, in reality to to wish somebody to death you think about that. This is what these people are doing. So when they're coming after our children, when they're coming after the elderly, when they're coming after the normies, when they're coming after Christians, when they're coming after us, they are trying to condemn to eternal condemnation, meaning that we experience the second death. This is what these three women were doing, and they have succeeded to do it to thousands of people. So look at Ezekiel chapter 13. Prophetess, bands, soul capturing, it's all here. Everything that they are doing. We see in chapter 13, verse 1, warning of those who prophesy out of their own hearts and not by the Holy Spirit. Just like Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, 
does not do this for God's people to flourish but to condemn them. God's saying they follow their own spirit. This is in Ezekiel chapter 13 verse 1. God even calls them jackals. Now a jackal is sort of a mixed breed you know you've got hyenas you've got jackals you you've got uh you, you've got uh, wolves you've got you've got even even dogs that have become packs that are that, you know gotten away from from people and what do they do well they they work together they hunt they take down they kill and jackals will fight amongst themselves so they're really their own worst enemy there is no honor amongst thieves and so if God refers to them as jackals let's see why so why divination speaking words that capture people this is all for destruction capturing the souls of God's people in chapter 13 verse 17 through 19 for just a piece of bread for something as simple as food or a piece of bread or or something along that lines they're willing to condemn someone to the second death so that's at the same level as a jackal by sewing bands around the wrist referred to a magic band that bounds them and make veil to cover their eyes so they cannot see the truth. Do we not see that right now? They're in bondage. There's a veil over their eyes. They're bound to the wrist that like a slave, like 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 some zombie, some some creature where they have no ability to come forth on their own to do what is good that they're that they're bound to this evil because when you see you know I, I I saw I've got a lot here but I got a, I this really disturbed me this week I saw a video and I don't remember if I talked about it on the last show but it was a woman teaching this class she was black and she was teaching a class to all these white people and she had this you know board that she was writing on and and showing the class like some teacher would normally do and she literally was scolding the whites and most of them were women I don't think there was any men in there and she was telling them that they're racist they're the only race that can be racist that that they're brain damaged that they're not even human that they're that their lower forms I mean and the, these people were just sitting there staring at this woman saying all this without any look on their face and so this is soul capturing because when we're made in the image of God then we're beautifully wonderfully made now it doesn't matter what color you are if you come to Jesus Christ you are grafted in. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew, doesn't matter if you're black or Asian, doesn't matter if you're white, 
doesn't matter if you're Hispanic, doesn't matter what you've done, when you repent and understand that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, then you are on you're, you can't even be numbered it's like the grains of sand in the ocean or or the stars in the sky that's how many of us over the years can be grafted in and when we see these people who completely defile and deface the word of god and to condemn people and because see this what this woman was doing and it's got nothing to do with her being black. It's got it has to do with the fact that this is a this is spelling. This is word cursing. This is witchcraft. And by speaking these words over, she's cursing these people. And then these people go on to pass it on to other people. And they go on to pass it on to children. So in Ezekiel goes on to say they are hunting for souls. In verse 20, it's brought out that they, the witches, have disheartened the righteous, falsely encouraged the wicked not to repent. Do we see this today? Absolutely. I mean, whoa, this is big stuff. We see it today all over the place but wait in verse 23 God has had enough and stops their power frees his people from the veil and the magic bands so if you yourself right now belong to God this is why many of you at first may have fallen for it you know, there, this kind of came from different angles and you weren't sure and, and you didn't want to be wrong that you may have fallen for it. But the veil was lifted. You awakened. You were set free and now see the truth and no longer go along with it. So the three witches, as per Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 23, they will know the Lord meaning all that they have done will come tumbling down and those who belong to God will be set free and he God did in in Ezekiel and those who were opposed to God those who did this witchcraft those who were soul capturers soul hunters lost their powers now I don't know if you understand the significance of that. But you see, remember I've told you before, that when the devil is done with you, like smoking a cigarette, he'll throw you down as a butt and he'll stomp you out. So with them losing the powers, they no longer had control of the demons, they no longer had the ability to conjure, they no longer had the ability to use spirits against other people or even to use the spirits to protect them from other people that was all taken away and when the demons and by the way since they were divinators since they did abomination they did not repent just like Jezebel the demons turn on them and I'll tell you what 
just as if you know if if you've been in some of the asylums and I have I have I have visited people there um, a lot of the people there were unfortunately I'm not saying that they ever did anything bad I'm saying that through generational curses or through circumstances that had to do with working with with other people you know it may not have been themselves it may have been the Freemason bloodline it may have been um, the, the the rituals that the the, the uh, trauma-based mind control and their minds finally fractured that the torment of the demons when you see the look in their eye or the lack of that is no place for anyone to be so those who are still buying in to the magic lie do not belong to God do you understand it the line has been drawn in the sand they are tares, not wheat. They or their souls have been hunted down themselves and captured, allowing their spirits to be condemned. So keep an eye on these people. Keep an eye on the ones whose souls are captured. If they do not repent, and the likelihood of them repenting now that they've lost the faculty the cognitive ability to reason, to have logic, to see what they've done wrong, that their conscience possibly has been seared, that if they do not repent, and as I said, most of them cannot or will not, it's going to get really ugly for them. This next go-around, look at the black naked woman shooting at people in the road this week. It was all over TikTok, it was all over BitChute, it was all over other medias. Now, her mind, this we're talking about the woman that was naked in the road with a handgun, looked like a semi-automatic, I believe, it's hard to tell, firing at people, and thank goodness, you know, I don't know whether she had the whole gun loaded or not, because the filming didn't start till she was active. And people could have been killed people could have been wounded you know if you're sitting in your car a headshot would have been possible her mind her will and her emotions have been captured nobody in their right mind does such a crazy thing we're going to see more of this now this is very very important and I've talked about this before when a person is naked while publicly committing sins, this shows the demons have them. So they are possessed, and it is a humiliation by the demons to undress them. Now let me bring up two, two things. I talked a couple, couple months back about a man that committed suicide. And when the, the people that I knew went to go to the family... I asked if they could find out if he was naked or not when he committed suicide. And it turned out that he, he was. Now you need to understand that when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't have a loincloth across him. They would hang them up naked and it was a public humiliation by the demons. And this woman, being naked 
in public, and that's not the first one. You, I've seen several that, that been both women and men naked doing these crazy acts. It is a humiliation of the demons. Because when the demons back off, and I'm going to talk about this also in the second part for the nefarious. That when the demons back off and they get more of a touch of reality, and then they... How many of you had a dream where you thought you went to school naked, right? I've heard this before. I think I even had some stupid thing like that as a kid. And it's a part of the demons humiliating. There wasn't a covering over me as a child. There wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't know enough to pray. I didn't know enough this about that. And so these things come along. And so when when it really happens, like this woman, and then she comes back to somewhat of a reality and looks down at herself, being in a public environment, the shame, because that's what demons do they shame you you do something stupid you do something they wanted you to do and then you do it and then you're shamed you're humiliated now the Holy Spirit brings conviction yes I did something wrong in my spirit I know I need to correct myself I need to to come back and and make things right where condemnation is no matter what you do the demons will always throw it in your face kind of like a bad spouse so I have a question for Tucker Carlson and others who were who wear the wristband now I talked about this in the last show note in Ezekiel that they witches sewed wristbands to go around the wrist of those who were soul captured and to put a veil over their face so they couldn't see the truth and so the wristband of the cabal I have to ask Tucker Carlson who possibly may not even know what he's doing he may have a veil over his face he may be part of the ritual abuse that I believe is in his bloodline and the wristband representing the cabal possibly described in Ezekiel is your soul captured so Tucker, has your soul been captured or are you a willing participant? Just asking. Because you know what it means. And now you know that others know what it means. Okay? You know, when you, when you finally get it and, and you figure all this stuff out, you know, it's been very difficult over the years to do what I do it's it hasn't been so grueling but but it's but I should say frustrating because I can't go to a church right I, I can't go to an AA meeting and, and try and talk about the demons that they have I can't go to uh, a group that gets together that that, that have uh, excessive compulsive disorder or or depression or I can't speak about the truth and now we're in a circumstance where just the truth of facts, which is, you know, before us, right, that you can't even do that, that how frustrating it is to know the truth and then to be condemned into a circumstance. And all of you are in the same boat. 
So if, if you are a Christian, if you are a patriot, if you are a constitutionalist, if you are even a normie, and really don't buy into you know, the garbage that they're throwing, pushing down our throats, then you're a racist, right? You're a terrorist, you're a white supremacist, all of this stuff. And these are word curses. And so I'm telling you not to receive them. Because in my frustration, there were times that when I found felt that I was beaten down, that I, I had not done enough or I, I just couldn't think of going any further, a lot of it was because eventually of hearing it so much that I received it. And then God had to bring me out of it. And then once I realized again, I got that, you know, that second breath. And, you know, have have any of you ever had the wind knocked out of you? I used to, it used to happen to me all the time as a kid. You know, we're on a skateboard, playing football, climbing trees and falling out, you know, wrestling with Big Brother, you know, and he's twice your size. You get the wind knocked out of you. You're trying to talk. You're trying to catch your breath at the same time. It's all happening so quickly. And then all of a sudden, that breath comes back. Now, sometimes someone has to help you, and that's a very scary situation. But the point of it is is that you do get your breath back, and now you're ready to go again. And so that's where we are. It's the end of days before our eyes. But fear not, God is still in control, and always will he be. And his son, Jesus Christ, will make it right again. All right. I think I made my point that the BLM... And, and let me, before I go on to this second part, let me tell you a story. And, I, and I've talked about this. You know, here in the area that I live in, the BLM came upon us a couple of years ago. And... The, the whole rhetoric thing. They, they bust these people in. They came from all over. Um, the, the, the younger group people that are... Because this is mostly farming, ranching, very little industry, maybe a lot of retirement. You know, we're in the foothills uh, of the Sierra Nevadas, just below Tahoe. And so it's a sort of an, a traditional area, family-wise. And so it was one of the reasons they targeted, plus our sheriff uh, opposed what the librarian was doing, which may have all been part of the part of the scheme. But in any case, when they sent the first crews here, and I myself didn't really quite understand what was going on because it was all happening so fast and, and I was busy doing other things, that um, they sent a particular person here he was he was black and he would walk the streets before the rest of the people got here and you know there's a message board here there's a rant and rave board on the internet you know so there's people talking and and different things well what the guy was doing that basically he was a warlock and what he was doing is he as he was walking the streets he was claiming the ground he was cursing the ground. He was speaking hexes, vexes, and spells 
so when the rest of the B team got there they would have little or no opposition and it truly was the case now the BLM and then there was also of course mixed with Antifa also migrated into Carson City and and were really giving a lot of the store owners a heart I mean it was horrible it, you know it was just like insanity now there was a day that no one would have tolerated this they would have just beaten the tar out of them taken them out in the desert and buried them in a hole I'm telling you that since this didn't take place in this area why because of the witchcraft the soul capturing and the hexes and the vexes and the spells that they placed on the people to stand down they also threatened to burn this place down and guess what we now have a history of what's called this this the uh, numbers fire look it up now not to be confused with the tamarack fire that we did have later which my opinion had some relationship to it but the numbers fire were seven fires that were started at the same time as the group was exiting our county now they blamed it on a truck that supposedly had a chain that was being towed on the ground and sparks were flying but it doesn't account for all seven of them starting at the same time so there was a cover-up yes there were structures yes there were houses far as I know there was no life lost but they threatened to burn us and they did and then the Tamarack fire came along and I've talked about that where we came very close to losing our our home here so when they do things they send in the scouts so to speak they send in the warlocks so when you have males what well, it doesn't matter what color they are when you have the men come in first because it's the witches are in control just like Jezebel we talked about this last week and when you have Jezebel the only way Jezebel can operate is to to also capture the men and they're called Ahabs Ahab and Jezebel this combination of spirit is devastating to families to communities to government to to just the world in itself so these warlocks come and they take the ground so this was an attempt of soul capturing this territory so I wanted to give my view and experience of that demonic infestation now let's get into part two of nefarious so the movie and and, and I've got a conclusion to it here and and I if I were to truly go th step by step it would be a five-part series that'd be almost two hours long because uh, the amount of information that I gathered from this that those who wrote it you know I've I've run into people that left the occult or said they left the occult and had no deliverance experience 
but in talking to them and comparing notes, boy, they sure knew an awful lot about how demons operate. And so the amount that was written in this, and I see as sound uh, information, or using you know the reference on how demons behave and writing it into the movie was almost a one-for-one. One. There's a few things here and I'm going to point out and these differences may have been intentional. Just remember it's still a movie and does not exactly show the order of things but there is enough to work with here. Alright, first off there is not one person who has not been influenced by demonic spirits in one way or another. Guaranteed. Or operates under the curse in one way or another, which does not mean that it's something they did themselves, that it could be a generational curse. I will go into the order of this movie from beginning to end. Now, the psychologist or the psychiatrist, I'm just going to use this term interchangeably, the older man that is first seen, who seems stoic, zombie-like, that ends up committing suicide, does it in a trance-like by jumping off of his own building. That's how the movie starts out. But note that on the way down, because you see him pass by his own window, you hear him scream. So where he was stoic, where he was bound, where he was zombie-like, all of a sudden he has his full human emotions. Demons will get you to do something at a point of no return, turn your will back to you, so you experience the terror, the pain, the fear, in this case, the one last time with the demons getting satisfaction watching the old guy fall to his death and in the spirit seeing the fear within this man who saw the ground below him that was on his way down. Alright, moving on. Remember the main demon-possessed inmate on death row, okay, is fully taken by powerful demon and openly claims to be a demon, a high priestess or... Now I refer to them as priestess. He refers to him as a prince. I see it as either way because when these are these are categories these are levels of achieved achievement by the demons. You can have lieutenants, you can have sergeants, you can have colonels, you can have generals, you can have you can have ones that refer to them as Satan. It's not Satan himself. It is a classification given to the demons for the achievements, the work over time that they have done. It is fully taking this person in the movie that, uh, you know, is the inmate, is fully taken by powerful demons and openly claims to be a demon, a high priestess or prince, in fact, with the assignment that dates back to the real man's childhood even before the day of execution. 
So the inmate, the true core man that was demonized or possessed by this demon, the main demon, the powerful demon, that the sights were set on him long before he was even born. This all takes place on the day of execution, the dialogue between the new psychologist which comes to visit him that replaces the old guy that committed suicide. And in this dialogue, this is where the information all takes place. So from here, I am not going to detail the movie line, just the manifestations. And to keep in mind, there are two in one body. The core person, the, the inmate himself, and the single demon. Okay, notice I said single demon. In reality, there are many, possibly from a few to thousands of demons within an individual, like the story in scripture of the legion and the demoniac. Then all the demons were cast into the pigs who committed suicide. Now, why did the demons cause the pigs to kill themselves? That's and, and you've probably wondered this yourself. You've probably heard all kinds of things from different pastors and different teachers. And I've just concluded myself over time, and I and I've heard some pretty good arguments and and I'm not saying that I'm right. But the demons themselves, as they were cast into the pigs, you remember demons don't die, and we're going to talk about that. Not until the appointed time. That that by committing suicide, the having the pigs commit suicide, the swines, my guess is to release them again. They were bound because sometimes demons are bound to people and they can't leave until they're cast out. Where other demons that seem to be more powerful or have more legal right or like a revolving door, and I've referred to them as timeshare demons. Well, they'll go into one person for a time and they'll go into another. And you'll see this typically in families and you'll see this typically with people who fornicated. You'll see this typically with drug users, uh, people that have committed crimes together that have committed sins and that have come into agreement, not repenting, and the door is open for the demon to come back and forth. For if Jesus wanted them completely gone, he would have sent them to the pit, just as I do. Now you remember the demon said, What have you you know, what are you here for? Are you come to for our appointed time? Well, you know, that it's not the appointed time. So he sent him into the swine, got rid of him out of the out of the demoniac guy. The story was to to you know, to to deliver this guy, right? That's really what was going on here. It wasn't to destroy the demons. It was to show the power of deliverance and the authority of Jesus Christ over the unclean spirits, which was achieved. So the demoniac now was setting up, clothed. He was naked. Remember I talked about that? And he would cry out and he would cut himself, right? 
just like someone who's you know borderline personality disorder someone who's in so much pain that they cut themselves to relieve but now he's clothed right sitting and free of demons his life had been given back to him but in this case there is no man of God no deliverance for the inmate on death row so the demon referred to himself as Neferiamus interacts with the new younger psychologist psychiatrist who was woke by the way already with his own demons so here's the thing the interaction between the two that since this guy was not a Christian he had not been delivered his curses had not been broken he you know had not renounced he had not confessed he had not repented he had not asked for forgiveness he was not in Christ he came in with a boatload of demons himself now note the prison would also be full of demons and the inmates in there would be so loaded with demons that all hell would break loose not a good place to be for someone who has open doors now in the first introduction of the new psychologist the demon the demon knows all about him knows all about the new psychiatrist the psychologist this is because of familiar spirits who know all about the bloodline and have passed on this information note the main demon causes the inmate to blink uncontrollably so the guy who's who's acting who's playing the part he does a very good job of demonstrating a manifestation because demons have no peace demons hate each other they don't like what they are now they have pride they have emotions they have hate but in reality if it all boils down they know that their time is limited they hate God they hate his creation and so the very nature of what they are comes out so they do not have peace and so they fidget they 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 talk sometimes in riddles kinda like a schizophrenic would they they have different uh, they they can go from one extreme emotion to to another but still in the core of the very nature of what they are will always maintain the same manifestation now there is just so much to bring out about all this but I want to stay on track and give the points you most likely can relate to yourself the demons take pride in confessing he made the old psychiatrist commit suicide. Now, this spirit of death can move on to others. Now, I want to point out, and I talked about timeshare, demons moving back and forth. A demon is a finite being and cannot be in two places at once. So that means the demon had to leave the inmate and go into the psychologist in order to get him to commit suicide okay 
So that meant that he either left death row inmate and went into the old guy, only to return back to the inmate when done, or commanded, since he was a higher-ranking demon, to call the suicide spirits to do what it takes to bring this guy to death. So the main demon most likely did that. Because when when a demon has possessed somebody it's kinda of like property so if you have wealth if you have finances if you have property if you have relationships you don't want to lose them right now being of a high rank maybe there's some order where you know he had them standing guard so when he left and came back he could just resume I don't know. But in either case, my guess is that he actually called others to go out to do the dirty work. That is totally possible. All right, moving on. Demons target those they can use, or target those who have been chosen by God to be servants while on this earth. Okay, let me define this because maybe this is making some sense to you. This also explains why bad things happen to good people. So if you've been called by God, if you have a destiny, and we all do, we all have gifts, we all have something to do, but there are, since God is a God of order, then there must be things in order to be done in the sequence proper to God's order. And so he calls people to do things to fulfill that order to make sure that they're done. And so the demons and the fallen ones are always busy trying to interfere, which means you're wondering why your life sucks. You wonder why you can't have a relationship. You wonder why you're always sick. You wonder why you're always broke. Because you've been called. There's something that God has for you to do in these end times. And so the demons and the fallen ones do whatever they can to keep you from fulfilling that task. Now, if you can't, God moves on to somebody else. Now note the pride in the main demon. Note that they know we have limited information and know as a whole how little we know about the spirit realm. Because the mainstream church even the books that would have told us more, even those that would have been teachers, people of, of prophecy, those that could have conveyed to us who tried to do the right thing in the churches were suppressed, sequestered, kicked out, causing them to give up and walk away so the things that we should have been learning, the things that we should have been doing, we never learned and we never did. So because of this, we have limited information and as a whole, know little about the spirit realm. So we are at a great disadvantage if it were not for the Holy Spirit, if it were not for the blood of Jesus Christ thank you Jesus for what you did on the cross
Note the demon mentions about not being able to die. And I talked about this. It's already dead with physical life. And now is a spirit or an unclean spirit or an evil spirit that not only the only one that can kill it is God. And it'll be in God's time that it will take place, which will be the second death for them. Note the main demon does not use the name of Jesus, but refers to as the carpenter. Demons have said Jesus, as I've done deliverance. I've heard them myself, but never in the order of Jesus' authority. And that's, that's very crucial. They'll never recognize him as who he is. They'll never give him credit. They'll never praise him. But demons do have the knowledge and do understand how important it is for names. Okay, this is very crucial. Nefariamus, that was the name of the demon. And he said himself that how important names are and through the identifying of him that it also told of the nature that he is. So a demon that's referred to as a unclean spirit is usually one of a sexual misconduct. If you have one of a demon that is of his insanity, then you know that it's one of mental illness. If you have one that is a witchcraft spirit, then you know that it is a spirit that's capable with great powers of doing things that physically cannot be explained. So knowing of the name of a demon during a deliverance is very crucial sometimes. And knowing that names or words have power. Spoken words as we speak in the spirit room. As I described in the first part of this show concerning spells or spoken words. But names, if known, tell you what kind of demon you are dealing with. So when, when they conjure, you know, I talked about um, the Wizard of Oz and the Wicked Witch, you know, tells the flying monkeys, you know, go, my perties, you know, that as, as they go out, they have an assignment, they have abilities, they have powers. And when people conjure, when people call, when people that are divinators, are witches, or those that do sorcery, that by the spell or the words spoken into the spirit causes things within the physical that cannot be explained. And never forget, they hate us, and they think that you and I are completely stupid. Now, and they'll always treat you as such. You'll never get anything out of a demon that will try and... Now, they'll lie to you. They'll, they'll massage you. They'll try and impart their pride onto you. But understand, demons, just in their nature and their task and their assignment, that nothing good comes out of them. So anyone who messes with demons, anyone who conjures, anyone who does spells, anyone who does things that are out of the order of God, 
that as I mentioned before in Ezekiel, that when the powers were taken away from the witches, I think I, I think in Ezekiel there were nine, that once that's done, the demons will turn on them. Demons known and their knowledge are beyond our comprehension. They're ancient, they're old, they've been around, and like I say, it's kind of like us going into a room uh, that has no windows. You close the door, you turn the light off, you're now in pitch darkness. I can remember I went to the ice caves just outside of Flagstaff, uh, San Francisco Peaks, that is a, a uh, volcano, and there was a, a lava tube, so it's a cave. And it's open, you can go in, and immediately when you go down, it's so low in the ground that the temperature all around stays, I think, at 50 degrees or something. It's cold. It's chilly if you're there long enough, if you're not used to it. And when you get so far in, you literally can put your hand before your face and you can't see anything. If everyone turns off their flashlights, there is absolutely nothing to be seen. And the spirit realm is the same thing when it comes to us. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for the power in the blood of Jesus Christ, if it wasn't for God intervening, we would absolutely know nothing. We would be sitting ducks. So it's very important to understand that when, if you have knowledge of the spirit realm, that you make sure that it comes from the Holy Spirit and that you're not getting it from divination. And we are not, as man, now I want to I want to bring this out, that as man we are not to tap into it because if we do that that suffer not a witch to live those who divination will come to death that it does not end well for those who practice such things so note the demons knowledge cannot be just possessed or brought in that it also through witchcraft because one of the things about witchcraft is you seek the knowledge you seek the ability and so once you open that door you may think you're a psychic you may think that you have abilities but what you've done is you've opened a door and now you have demons prodding you pushing you giving you information making you think that you're special making you think that you have abilities when you don't now the other is to note in this movie that the demon the main demon convinces the young psychologist, psychiatrist, to open up his will and to receive him as a demon. Now, I'll tell you what, that is a very, very bad situation. Let me, let me point something out that I did a long, long time ago that I was confident in my spiritual warfare I was confident in my deliverance and I'm not the only one who did this I found out that my mentor made the mistake as well 
that I had such concerns for my children and my grandchildren that I said that you cannot come to my children you're gonna have to go through me and let me tell you it was the stupidest thing I ever said I got my ass kicked I got taken to the woodshed now there was a divine intervention because it was just a stupid thing that I did but it led me and and taught me to understand how important the words are and the order of things and to make sure that you never put yourself out there so when this young psychiatrist accepting the demons bet to have him come in to possess into him the demon played it well didn't come into him but he had the invite the door was open he they also need a series of things if there's not a direct open invitation so the original inmate the guy that's on death row the one that the demon has possessed that the demon couldn't just possess him there had to be a series of events there had to be an order of sins there had to be things that this person did that one inch at a time one straw at a time till the last straw broke the camel's back which also involves sin as a process one step at a time so if the demons explanation of how they take someone is pretty close in this movie I'm telling you like I said whoever wrote this had to have a great knowledge now I can't disagree with with some of the things in there but there's some things that may be in order but in game um, I, I I'm a little disappointed how they ended it I'm not quite there yet to, to conclude this but maybe in order but in game is the same uh, demons to infect and demons to take and demons to possess they pretty much had that all written out all because we allowed them to that's the only way the demons can have us they can put you they can prod you they can they can from the outside maybe give you a bad day but I've said before the angels of God just as you let's say have a litter of puppies and you have them in a box you know those puppies are gonna jump out of that box so the angels are forever putting the demons back in the box so the tricking trying to to get someone to do something they normally wouldn't do again as I talked about the BLM and their sorcery and their capturing of souls is the same alright moving on the demon acknowledges others like him below okay and that the master of him and the demons also the masters of others so he doesn't refer to Lucifer he refers to as the master now there are other powerful fallen angels demon may be the top dog he may be the master 
But there are other fallen angels over other territories, principalities, we know this. And so him referring to the master we conclude is Lucifer. But note that he says demons below. Now yes, demons below, but right now we need to be concerned of those here able to enter our realm. Because the ones below are bound, the others below will be released later per scripture. We have more here than people. And they can go from one person to another person if there is a common open door of sin or generational curse. But now, for the last of these that are here, they're going around just as the BLM witches, soul capturing, trying to get us to sin. So in this exchange between the demon and the psychologist, the main game is for the psychologist to give up his will and to allow the main demon to now move on after the core person, the real inmate, is dead. Because once the person's dead, see, if you have a relative that's very sick, and, and I'm very careful about the way that I say this, because this may be someone that you you care very much about. It may be a relative, someone someone that is very close to you. And they're sick and they're dying. And if they've never had deliverance, their demons are jumping off of them like rats off of a sinking ship. And they are looking for a new home. And if you have an open door, they'll go to you. And I've seen this over and over again. So the mind, will, and emotions, being of your soul, which, which is a gateway to your spirit, that the core person in this movie, the inmate, who dies, that when he dies, then the demon leaves. Now we saw this in scripture for Jesus, that that uh, in in the in the corruption of Judas that Satan enters him and he goes and he makes the deal and then we see at the Last Supper these are two separate events that Jesus turns to him and it says Satan enters him which means Judas and, and Jesus said, now go do what you must do. So that means the, that Satan entered and then Satan left because he's a finite being. He can't be in two places at one time. And then he returns at the Last Supper. And so upon the death of the inmate, the demon now, the head demon, is now capable of leaving and going in to the psychologist. I bring all of this up not just because of the movie storyline, but this is what we face every day. This is real. Those around you, like woke, have already taken place. Demons have come in. They've set up camp. They've taken their minds. Now, just a few more notes before finishing the show. I, I knew that I would go over because this is very, 
very intense. There is so much more. It would just like, as I said, take hours to lay all this out. But here is one to never forget. When the priest comes, okay, in the movie, there's one who shows up, right, the, to give the last rites, you know, and all the, the stuff that uh, I'm not, you know, Catholicism is a whole other bag that I want to get into right now. But the priest comes, and the main demon becomes scared and tries to move away. He even says, you know, have you come before the appointed time, you know, just like the demoniac situation as the priest enters the room. But in time, the demon comes to understand that the priest is a fake, not a real man of God, only a facade, only by name. In reality, okay, in reality, the main demon in the spirit realm would have known that this man was a fake would have known that the demon didn't have to fear him because if you belong to God if you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit you have the seal of God upon your forehead and in the realm of the darkness in the spirit realm you shine like a light this is why a witch will cross the street if you're walking down the street and you're in, and you're on the same sidewalk and they're coming at you and then they they see right in the spirit that you belong to God they'll walk over to the other side of the street they don't want anything to do with you the demon would not if the demon if this scenario had been correct the demon would not have saw him as a threat and you know you know what and I'm kind of sorry that they didn't write that into it because it would have been an eye-opener for a lot of people, I think, for the demon to have laughed at this priest. Ha! You can't do anything to me. You don't belong to God. Now, the inmate is still there. Remember that. In the body. Now, here's one of the things. And I've talked about this. Demons come up and the core person goes down. And then maybe the demon goes down, and then a multiple personality comes up, which is part of the core person. So the, the inmate is the, the true core person, the real man, is still in that vessel, still in that body that's been possessed by the demon. Just like a movie, just like a fish in a fishbowl, the man can literally see everything that's going on. And how terrified this man must be. And the energy coming off the fear of this man feeds the demons. Now, the man does come up a couple of times. He's even scolded. He's even punished by breaking his hands for revealing things and saying things that the core demon, the main demon, had laid some rules down. And the man, in his attempts to seek help, crossed that line and was punished by the demon breaking his hands. Yes, this does take place. I had one time a man that was completely taken over who had a pacemaker in his chest. The demon 
start beating his chest trying to collapse the pacemaker. In the ministry that I was involved at the time, there were two of us, and there had to be a physical intervention as well as a spiritual to stop him. The demon even one time tried to kill him on a treadmill because he had a bad heart. So yes, this does take place. But note, in a real case, there would be multiples also coming up and down. So as the core person comes up and then the core person goes down, then a multiple would have come up. And, and you know what? And it may have been actually taking place in the movie. I need to go back and really critique that again. I'm going mostly by memory here. Now, note at death of electrocution, the demon goes down, allowing the real man to face the real pain of electrocution. Remember the, when the, the old psychologist jumped off the building and he screamed on the way down? Again, the demons go down, allowing the core person to come up because there's a point of no return. Uh, engaging and and like an aroma enjoying the fear the terror of the man dying the demon enjoying the fear and the suffering and as expected at death which takes a couple of times to do when I um, my first electronics class that I took was by an old guy out of the Navy and he had brought an article in about an electrocution and it took like three times to kill this guy. Now, you need to understand at this time they have every body fluid had been exposed, expelled. Their eyes come out of their sockets. Their, their tongues literally hang from their throats. They throw up. They, they bleed out of every... It's, it's a... They're fried. You could take a board, drive two nails into it the distance of a typical hot dog, take a, a lamp cord that's called a zip cord, and splice it and tie the two nails to each wire of that cord put the hot dog on the nails so it's you know impaled or pronged so it bridges between the two nails plug it in and cook that hot dog in fact there were old cookers in the old days that did that but you can imagine how dangerous it is it's the same thing that takes place in electrocution the nerves the brain the tissues the body the organs it's a terrible thing Nefariamus leaves the host at the point of death and now goes in to the young psychologist. Remember in the movie, the psychologist gave him the right, the demon, to possess him. He tricked him. Though tricked, he still gave a verbal okay. Please, never do this. Don't do the stupid thing that I did, I talked about. In closing, I have a problem with the ending. I really do. Even though the young psychologist repents and is able to retake his soul, 
not write the book that he was supposed to write. He does not come to Jesus Christ. And yet, he is on his own trying to warn the world about the evil. Making a non-Christian the hero and possibly the savior of mankind. Did you see how they flipped that? Now, Glenn Beck, at the end, is the interviewer. And you can see that this man is on a mission. But he's not in Christ. He saw evil. He saw what evil could do. He hadn't been delivered, by the way. The demon's still in there, but, you know, it's, it's the way that they played it is because he fought him and didn't do what he was going to do that he overtook the possession. Well, since he's not in Christ, since he hasn't been delivered, that's not going to take place. So that's wrong. But my concern is the fact of showing somebody who is taking on the task of fighting evil without Jesus Christ. Now, I got another problem here. Glenn Beck and himself. Glenn Beck himself has worn belt buckles, patches, and other Masonic symbolism in public and even on his own show. There's been discussion that he too has been part of the New World Order, the Cabal. Just another New World Order Cabal player, in my opinion. So the message of the movie is non-Christians are the ones to save the world. That's what I saw. It should have been a Christian victorious. It should have been one to show the power of Jesus Christ. Typical Masonic propaganda. Even though the portrayals of demons are pretty much close to the real thing, the end of the story of the conclusion does not bring victory. You can now see how they knew what to write and who to cast for the movie. I believe that the Masons, those of the Luciferian organizations, did this. All right, where are we at here? So. In my final conclusion, in my final testimony to this movie, that when we see the world today, when we see, as I talked about, the BLM and how people can be bewitched and that they are under spells and that they are vexed, but we also see in Ezekiel that how he, God, intervened and saved his people, broke the bands, lifted the veil, delivered his people, brought them forth, that regardless of what we see around us, regardless of the propaganda, understand that by being in Christ, this is how God delivers us. You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to hear, away from me, I did not know you. 
So those that are in the BLM, those that are Antifa, those that are pedophiles, those that are buying into this whole homosexual transgender thing, they have soul captured our children. They have soul captured the adults, the parents of these kids, who are now okaying because they the parents should be the spiritual protectors, the spiritual leaders over the family. But they have cursed their own children. Not only spiritually, but physically mutilating them. And what has this been leading to? Higher rates of, 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 of uh, suicide. Terrible thing. Absolutely. I, I just, I, you know, there's a point where we can't take it any longer. We, we should not be doing it now anyways, but, but the problem is we're so fragmented. There's people still fighting to even survive every day. You don't know who you are in Christ. You have, you know, you're, you're broke, you're, you're this. And this was all by design. And I hold the church responsible. The pastors, the ones that should have been leaders of the congregation that denied deliverance, that denied that Christians can have demons, that followed the doctrine of demons. There is blood in their hands of God's people. And we're all suffering for it. We're in this together. All right. Weekend's coming up. God bless you guys. Thank you for your support. You know, every day. And and again, you know, I I I took some time off to do some honeydews for my wife. <laughs> I've been so busy. You know, and I and I know I need to get need to get back to the emails and everything, but you know, there's just times that I got to take take care for my own family too, you know. If it's uh, you know, it's funny about these cuckoo clocks. I, I had to I had to laugh. I thought, you know, no matter what we do and, and what we try to, to to brighten things up a little bit, right? You know make some you know, make something nice. We got a nice garden now. Things are coming around, you know, a lot of weeds, have to pull the weeds, but by golly, we got corn, we've got spinach, you know, we've got tomatoes, we've got some good stuff out there. And it was through hard work. That if the aliens invade us tomorrow they're going to come in the back door if the chinese are going to invade us tonight they're going to come in the front door by god they're going to have two nice cuckoo clocks so there you go i did something good for somebody all right see you next week